0: Have current events left you fearful of the future? Do you wonder if our best days are behind us? Both believers and unbelievers have been fearful these days due to the encroaching darkness that seems to be overtaking our world from a deadly pandemic to civil unrest and economic hardship. Many of us just want for it to go away to get better. But what if it doesn't? What if it gets worse? Sarah Broyhill Anderson's timely and life changing book, The Best Is Yet to Come, asks these hard yet necessary questions. And in my opinion, is the book to read if you are looking for peace, strength, courage, and hope amidst tribulation in the darkest of times. Because as Sarah shares with us, we don't have to fear what's to come because God has promised a future so amazing. It is beyond our comprehension. And I recently had the privilege of interviewing author Sarah Breuhel Anderson on her book, The Best is Yet to Come. I can't wait to share it with you. Stay tuned. Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where God's people can come to be encouraged and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be. And when our flame is burning bright, we can't help but light the flame of others along the way don't think that you can make a difference in your little corner of the world yes you can because all it takes is one little candle i'm your host rebecca burshwinger thanks for joining me for today's episode Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a very special episode that I have very much been looking forward to. And that is the interview with author Sarah Broyhill Anderson on her book, The Best is Yet to Come. A little bit about this incredible woman. Sarah is a wife, a mother of five, so she's very busy. (laughs) And she's a Christian apologist with her Actually, she's just getting her juris Doctorate and Masters of Divinity in Apologetics as of May. She's the founder of Fruits of Faith Ministries, which was started in 2016, and she's a speaker with Women of the Well Communicators. Sarah is also an official member of the Mothers of Preschoolers Speakers Network and she spends time speaking to women's groups about mining truths from God's word and applying it to everyday life, along with seeing the value of settling the questions of truth within in order to leave the most precious legacy, and that is the legacy of faith. Sarah has authored several Bible studies as well as the book's 2020 Vision How Exodus 2020 Brings the Purpose of Our Trials into Focus, and of course, the amazing book you're about to hear about, The Best is Yet to Come, Facing the Fears of Today with God's Help for Tomorrow. And now, here's my interview with Sarah Broyhill Anderson. One Little Candle, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here and share with us a little bit about your book. Thank you,
1: Rebecca, for having me. I'm excited to talk to you
0: about me- the book and just talk to you and your awesome podcast. Thank you. Me too. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah, here we go. Um I, I just talked to my listeners a little bit about your book and I shared with them exactly what this book has done for me. I I've talked in other podcasts about my top two books and yours is one of the top two. And it's really oh. a it's it's a pleasure and a blessing for me to be able to Get this out here even more today for people, because as you and I have discussed, there's darkness Mm -hmm. surrounding us in our world, and it's getting darker. Mm -hmm. And instead of being driven to fear, we need now more than ever to trust in God and who he is. And your book so beautifully speaks that to us. I mean, it, it spoke it to me. And you. I just, I want to really make sure that people do hear about this book. So the Thank first you. thing I want to know is, of course, why this book? What was the driving force behind you writing this amazing book?
1: Well, uh, Rebecca, this is a book, a long time coming when I was, well, 20 years ago, actually almost to the day, 20 years ago, I was a newlywed, my husband and I went on a vacation, I had really consumed my young life with um, being successful and kind of just getting the world, you know, I wanted to, you know, just be successful in the world. And so um, I had turned my back on God. And sadly, no one should do that. But I did do that. And maybe it's a familiar story, especially when we're setting out to make something of ourselves in the world, and we experience disappointment, or, um, you know, tribulation trials in this life, it's easy to blame God for that. And I found myself in that situation. And so I thought, well, I don't need him, I'll go out on my own. And I was a very faithful person. So I, I never stopped believing in God. I just thought I could do it on my own. And so um, anyway, we were in Florida and we decided one night to watch a TV special. We didn't even know it was on. We were just flipping the channels, but it caught our attention. It was 2002. There had just been 9-11, you know, the Mm. following the Mm. previous fall. We had just flipped the calendar into the new century and of course, the the Y2K, we never really got uh, wrapped up and all that. But, you know, there were a lot of things, and yes. narratives, right? Yeah. Going about, wow, what's happening? What's going to happen next? And so uh, this TV special was about the end of the world. And it was not from the biblical perspective. It was scary. And because <laughs> I didn't have um, my faith in God as strong as it Probably had been. My knowledge of his plan was was very uh, sparse, and so the fear just filled me. It was just I had a vacuum of space, and the fear just filled me. And I really couldn't sleep that night. The next morning, I went to the beach and I thought, okay, I'm just going to relax and clear my mind from all these dreadful images about how the world is going to end imminently. You know, Mm -hmm. with all these what do you call those the The seers and the the non godly uh,
0: yeah psychics so much of that yeah right
1: and so they were the ones that's who was featured on this television Mm -hmm. special
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I won't even name their names because I don't want to give them any credence but they definitely have predictions about how the world's going to end and so anyway I went to the beach and I pulled a book out of my suitcase. And I don't know how this book got in there, but it was, I thought it was called the best is yet to come. And I read it from cover to cover that day on the beach. And it was the end times, but according to the Bible, God's mm. plan. And it filled me with peace and hope. It absolutely changed. I was really, it was palpable, the fear. I don't know if you felt that kind of fear, you know, when you're not walking with God, sure. you know, Sure. Absolutely. Yes. And so I went home and I gave the book away because I thought everyone needs to hear this book or everyone needs to read it. And then I tried to find it and I couldn't find it anywhere online. I couldn't, I searched and searched and searched. It turned out the book was not called the best yet to come. It was called the um, merciful God of prophecy by Tim LaHaye. It's a great book, Mm. but I, and the time that I couldn't find the book online. And by the time I, 15 years later, found that book in the stacks of my local library and realized that was the book I had read 15 years prior, I had um, determined that God had asked me to write that book during and for a time in the future where the population, the world will be feeling the same sense of dread and foreboding and fear that I felt watching that television special. And of course, then we have this year, this pandemic that happened, right? Yeah. And the fear that you could just, you could slice it with a knife, you know, mm-hmm. it's so mm-hmm.
0: palpable. That's what I say about the darkness. Yeah. yeah. Yes.
1: And Absolutely. so then I, I just sat down and I wrote it. And so that's the book that you read. <laughs>
0: wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 15 years, right? It took 15 years to come across that book again, but God's yes. always, his timing is right on. And because, that's really when
1: I thought I was going to write it. When I yeah. saw the book, I said, that's the book. Of course, 2016 was not the year that it was a little something started happening. But mm-hmm. really, you know, the pandemic started interrupt. But yeah.
0: No, yeah, that's OK. That's OK. Wow. So you mentioned in your book, you talk about um, the dark days throughout history. You, you mentioned the fact that we've had world wars. We've had the Holocaust and plagues like the Black Death. Mm-hmm. So. We've known darkness and and fear throughout history, but what's different about this darkness that the the Bible speaks of that the world is in for? What's different? Well, this
1: darkness that's coming is, well, it's God, it's a culmination of God's plan for humanity during the church age. Mm. It marks the end of the age of grace. The end of our opportunity to accept salvation. It is, I guess, what makes it worse is the severity of the judgment, but also um, its finality. Mm. This is the end of the church age. All of the church age, theologically, is known as the end times because it was. It, it sandwiches Jesus's first advent when He first came and His second advent when He returns to gather His elect. Mm. Um, however, there Jesus describes this time and it's the last seven years on earth and particularly the last three and a half years of the last seven years on, mm-hmm. not on earth but of the church age. Uh, and he describes it as the worst time ever on earth. And so that can if you're not if you don't understand the God <laughs> behind that prophecy, if you don't understand yeah. his plan, And if you don't understand that his plan has always come to fruition throughout history, um, that would engender a lot of fear. Mm. However, if we look at the circumstances in our world today, that also brings a lot of fear into people's hearts. And so we have to compare the narrative, God's Mm. or the world's. And so do we want and then we also have to compare the person behind the narrative, God's or (sighs) man's. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to choose. We're at a crossroads. Right. And we always Mm -hmm. happen in everyone's life is a crossroad because we're all going to die. And so we have to decide, are we going man's way or God's way? And then if you think about the difference in character, it should be an easy decision. But a lot of us, we don't want we don't we like our sin and we like where we're going. and We like thinking we're in control. And so we want to keep going on our, you know, our narrow our wide road i guess instead of god's narrow road but so that is the difference i believe between some of what the some of the bad times we've experienced in the on this earth and the time that's coming it's not only the severity of it but it's also the finality of it
0: there and that that says a lot right there and you're you're just saying you know we, we love our sin and and we also love our our comfort in the fact that we don't want to think about these things. Do we? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You know, when, when I read your book, it was, I I knew I had to think about these things because it's called the best is yet to come. And, (laughs) and you marvel marvelously show that to us, but you had to get through the dark things first in order for us to understand that the best is yet to come. And those dark things are really hard to, to um have to face Mm -hmm. and to really think about but it's really necessary as christians if we want how can we trust god right i mean he tells Mm -hmm. us these things for a reason Mm -hmm. all the things that you shared with us in your book he has let us know these things so that we can be prepared Mm -hmm. right that's right so yeah he tells us in advance So what would you say, you know, we talked about fear. What can a person do? Like what's one step that someone can take to combat the fear that they would feel over what, what lay ahead for the world? Well, I would say read scripture. I mean,
1: I would say read the book that lays out the scripture, but also we need to get in the word. Uh, We need to understand who God is Mm -hmm. and what his plan is. And that's all set forth in the Bible. I would, I would say, get into a good Bible teaching church, one who does not ignore. See what I've realized, I think a lot of people realize is that people have one or two different, uh, one of two, they take one or two different roads when it comes to eschatology, which is the study of the last things in -hmm. scripture. They either ignore it or they obsess about it. You Mm -hmm. know, they try and predict the dates they try and look for signs everywhere, or they ignore it. As you said, we ignorance is bliss. And we would rather just get on with our lives. And there's a, a lot of reasons for why we would do that. Fear. Mm-hmm. Um, also, embarrassment. We don't want to be seen as the crazy person. And God speaks to that in <clears throat> yeah. scripture regarding the end times. Yeah. Yeah. And so. That's a real good point.
0: It's a real he, good point
1: right? We have our, we we want to save face and we don't want to be that person who is sticking their neck out and then it doesn't happen. And that's because there have been false prophets throughout history. And that is a real disservice, right? Of those that that's why God said, don't predict a date. Jesus said, no one knows the date or time. I don't even know the date or time that God is going to dispatch me to return. And so we should know that does not mean to go to the other extreme though, and just act like, it's never going to happen or that it doesn't exist. Prophecy is a great portion of scripture. We are to study script, script, all of scripture, right? Yes. And Timothy says that. He says, you know, or in Paul says that in 2 Timothy, he says all scripture is valuable for reproof and correction. We have to understand all of it and that includes prophecy. So we are to study it so we, so that we can prepare our hearts rather than predict a date. And so, yeah, there's... Definitely, I think getting into scripture is going to be an understanding the God behind the scripture. This isn't just a historical book written by, it's, you know, the 60, you know, however many authors that are in there. Mm-hmm. We, yes, they did transcribe the Bible, but it is inspired by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the third member person of the Trinity is equal with God and God is holy. And holiness is why we can trust God's book because and all that he says, because it is when you're holy, we don't understand what holy means as humans, because we are required or the Bible asks us to strive to be holy. But being holy or doing holy is different than the essence of holiness from which our striving comes from. And God is not able to be anything less than holy and holy is perfect, Mm. complete uh, and perfection to the infinite degree. And there's so much we could talk about with that and how it affects his plan, but I call it a holy warranty. He gives us, you know, how when we buy a new microwave or we buy a new, whatever, we want a warranty to go with it. A manufacturer's warranty. How do we know that this is going to live up to our expectations or what you say it can do for us? If it fails, do we have a warranty? Well, God's own character is his own warranty. His holiness is his own warranty. We there we have go. a guarantee. It'll be what he says it's going to be.
0: I like that. Holy warranty. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's a good one, Sarah. <laughs> um and you're right, God's character knowing the God of the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Is is a big thing and a, a key to this and so many people I don't think do know the God of the Bible. And you're talking about prophecy. But yes, so many churches Aren't studying it, they're not talking about prophecy. Mm-hmm. I remember speaking to a pastor once several years ago about prophecy, and he says, Well, we don't really get into that because you know nobody can know for sure. And and I was like, I was taken aback, I was speechless, I didn't respond, I didn't know what to say, right? You know, coming from a pastor, and I was like, Well, that's leaving out a lot of the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> there's a <laughs> danger, know, no, we don't yeah. Do. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say to your point, there's a danger in ignoring a large portion of scripture. God is so perfect. He would not include anything in his holy word and the canon that was not intentional. And so we can't compare accurately scripture with scripture if we do not, if we exclude that great portion of scripture that's prophecy. It is there for a reason. We are to... One of the reasons is to in, in this day and age, there's, and you know this, uh, Rebecca, because you speak to this a lot, and I love it, that um, there is an, we have intellectual barriers to accepting Christianity more, I think, than ever.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: metaphysical, which is beliefs, is our feelings, that means the unseen part of our reality, um, is being marginalized and discredited, and so that, with that goes faith a lot of times of course there's a post secular secularism that's coming to our society because people are realizing that wait I guess I do have beliefs and so since I can't see my feelings and my beliefs and that must mean that there's metaphysical so then all of spirituality is being equated you know on the same level but Christianity Mm. stands apart and above that because of prophecy you know
0: in addition to God's fulfilled prophecy so much that has come true <laughs> it's one for one you would think that would speak to people right that but not if wow, pastors like, are ignoring this, it well you know there you go there you go yeah. yeah and that's
1: the reason so our christianity rises above because fulfilled prophecy if if anyone has a doubt it's it's another i guess you call it apologetic tool it's fulfilled prophecy and it helps undergird beliefs it helps Facilitate belief and doubters that, well, how can this happen? And why hasn't it happened with any other religion? Why hasn't it happened with any other belief system? And I'm talking like the humanist belief systems. They right. have to keep changing their beliefs and changing their creeds, yes. you know, with progress.
0: Mm-hmm. Christianity
1: is the same yesterday, today, and forever because the <laughs> God of Christianity is the same yesterday today, and today forever. And that speaks to prophecy and that speaks to his plan. And that's yes. why we can trust his plan and we better know his plan. And the only way to know his plan is to study prophecy. It doesn't mean you're predicting a date. It's becoming aware. And then of course, exalting and worshiping the God behind the prophecy. That's how we spend our time, not predicting dates and looking for signs necessarily. Mm-hmm. But if we don't mm-hmm. study,
0: we won't know the signs. Yeah, exactly. And and God is giving us signs. That's that's what yes. it's all about, right? So we're not caught off guard so that we know. And and for believers, it's like because you know God's saying, guys, time is short. I've shown you when you're going to know and what's going to happen, how you're going to know. So you need to get out there, get the word out there, right? Because God's desire is not that anyone perishes, Mm -hmm. but that all come to repentance. And for me as a believer in studying prophecy in the end times and and staying in touch with all this stuff and rooted in the scriptures, it helps me to say time is short and, and that we need to have an urgency Mm -hmm. about us when it comes to sharing our faith (laughs) and being the light, being our candles, right? That's Um, right. In the darkness. That's yeah. That prophecy is is huge. And books like yours, um, again, Mm -hmm. you, you've unwrapped so much in your book, Sarah, it's amazing. And one thing that I really liked was as I was reading it, I thought about how it was written in such a way that it applies to believers unbelievers i mean anyone can relate to this book and be helped by it mature christians baby christians um you you covered the bases (laughs) in your book but i would like to um ask you to just elaborate on this for more because perhaps someone's listening that does not know christ or isn't sure Mm -hmm. about christ or this whole you know christianity thing or whatever but You said in your book that God's plan, I think you mentioned this earlier, will culminate with the doors to salvation closed once and for all. And the question is, on which side of the door will you be? And that's Mm -hmm. a great question that should stop people in their you know, stop them and say, what side of the door am I on? What side of the door will I be? Mm -hmm. So elaborate on that question a little more for someone who doesn't know Christ. I thank you. That's a great question. I'm glad you brought
1: that up because when I'm thinking about the door to salvation being closed once and for all, and what side of the door you're going to be on, I think of the counter arguments to God's eternity. There is a um, belief system called a nihilism, something like that. <laughs> anyway, it means that um, once you Die, you cease to exist. They don't want to believe that a good God would send anyone to hell. They want to believe that hell doesn't exist and that once you die, if you don't believe, they can even believe parts of, there's different versions of this belief system, but that, you know, if you do believe and if there's something, you can go to heaven, but the rest of the people just will just cease to exist. There's no eternal punishment, eternal damnation. But of course, that is not what the Bible says. The Bible uses the same adjective talking about eternal for life as it does for eternal death and punishment and so i like to equate it to the number line remember in um geometry or i don't even know just any math you have it starts with zero right in the middle and then if you go to the right it goes it moves up positively if it you go to the left it's negative one negative two it moves negatively at no point is the number line does the number line stop right? The number line goes, goes to infinity, infinity on mm. either side. It goes to infinity. Right. And regardless mm. of our beliefs, it's never going to stop. If we decide just because I choose, so we're at zero, all of us start at zero. And we need to just make that decision for God or against God. And God allows us to go either side of the number line, right? Yeah. And so he's not mm. going to stop us. He wants us like you said, when you um, talked about second Peter three, nine, he wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. He desires for us to move to the right of that number line and go up right in the process of sanctification and getting closer to him as we um, enter eternity for or heaven for eternity. But if we choose not to believe in God's plan and his way to that plan through Jesus Christ, we will go on the other side of the number line and we, it continues for eternity. Just like the positive side does. And why is that? Because that's just a that is a function of reality as God has created it. And He's holy. He cannot make a three-sided triangle, four-sided. A triangle yeah. is three-sided. There's nothing that can be logically contradictory in God. God can do anything, but He can't make something that's contradictory, not contradictory, right? Can't contradict himself. Yeah. And he can't contradict himself. So he says (laughs) that, I mean, we know that numbers are infinite. If, if someone decides I'm going to stop at negative 50, just because I don't want to count anymore. It doesn't mean that the numbers don't go to negative 51 and on. Right. And so that's how we need to think of God in his holy character that just because we decide that we don't want to believe that there is an eternity for those made in the image of God, that We are eternal beings because we sinned against an infinite God and our consequences of sin have infinite consequences. One way or the other, we can repent and that has infinite consequences or we can double down and dig our heels in the ground or sand of our sin and we're going to go that other direction. And so I think that when we talk about the door to salvation being closed once for all, once we die, it's whatever side of zero we're on, that's final. That's mm. the door of salvation.
0: Mm.
1: It's going to be closed. You can't get past the zero on the positive side. And you will, you will live for eternity, continuing down that infinite slope. Yeah. Right. Mm. And I think that that is, should be a call to awakening by people. This is not something you're going to stop because of your will. God's will surpasses ours. <laughs> you know, it is infinitely holier and greater and final. So, I mean, it's, it it sounds bad that God sends, it sounds like he sends people to hell because they reject him. And it sounds like he's Mm -hmm. egotistical, but that's not the way it works. It's a matter of law. And he has to, of the natural law, of the eternal law that we can't even fathom because we're created beings. Right. (laughs) And we're, we exist (laughs) in time. And so we, We might not be able to understand it, but we will submit to it one way or the other, whether we go willingly or not. So you might as well understand the God behind it and follow his rules. We'll get out alive that
0: way, right? (laughs) And he's, you say egotistical, if you think about it, you know, God's not egotistical. No, it's our egotism that thinks that way. (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah. God doesn't (laughs) send people to hell. That's right. He doesn't send people to hell. We choose which to go. But if we don't and Jesus is the way to, you know, we can't do
0: it on Amen. our own. Yeah. And Jesus did it for us when he died on the cross. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Jesus. What a powerful analogy, that number line. I love that. Oh good. <laughs> I'm glad. You. That is uh-huh. oh my gosh. That's I, I have to I gotta remember that one for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just good. thought of that sitting down here well, as I was preparing. <laughs> For a little uh, meaning. <laughs> I I love it I love it You are just like my husband He always has these great practical analogies that apply to stuff and he just blows my mind It's like Wow Never would have thought of that one on my own for sure Well it doesn't
1: hurt that I have kids that are you know doing the math and the number line So yeah
0: Yeah Oh I'm I'm past all that <laughs> Homeschooling mom I I went to my my husband for a lot of the math things when it came to our kids That's, Sorry Not my Not your cup not of tea I. No, not, not good with numbers at all. Um, but, fine. but, but thank you so much for that. Um, is there anything else that you want to add before I ask you about, um, what your biggest challenge was in putting your book together? <laughs> Cause uh, it had to have been not easy to put the
1: book together. Well, interestingly, I had written something. I started in 2016 when I found that, um, book on the stacks and I realized, okay, I'm not making this up. I really did read a book. I mean, that was the book. And then I sat down and I I got over the last over those four years, um, till 2000 October 2020, really and someday I'll publish this second half to the book, but th- this mm-hmm. book, The Best Yet to Come, is really extra long. <laughs> and I took out the parts of this, I guess you would call it a novel apologetic that ties creation to God, all the different disciplines and levels of creation to God. Uh, and it was really amazing. And it was, I would say, supernatural the way he revealed that. And I wrote that all down. So, but I realized with the urgency and everything that we saw unfolding with the pandemic, it was, it, it really was just right out of the pages of scripture. Right. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to write a book about the hope of God and why we can trust god because of his character which was half of the original book that i wrote and so i extracted that and that's what you see um in the book the best is yet to come and he told you know of course i thought it was the best is yet to come when i first read it it was not but i did take him seriously when i felt the calling that eventually in my lifetime there would be a a time of fear and that this Mm. book i would write this book and um you know, we're coming into a time where we really need to be cognizant of what is going on. I think back to your question about what can we do in addition to knowing scripture, you know, the only way to know a counterfeit is to study the original. And so we need to study the original in the Bible because there is there are counterfeits out there right now. Yeah, I told you the post secularism, it's more it's rising spirituality to a uh, all spirituality to a um higher level right so yeah, now christianity yeah. is just one of many metaphysical belief systems to
0: embrace and no one wants anyone to be exclusive well god it, is exclusive. it reminds me that it, yeah. yeah but it reminds me the verse that's coming through my head is when they are talking about um Having the appearance of godliness, I can't think of what that Bible oh, verse yeah, is, yeah. Mm-hmm. because that's exactly the way the world is becoming, even yeah. like with the social justice movement and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, this rise to look for this one world religion, um, mm-hmm. but it's everything seems to have the appearance of godliness, which you would associate morals, right? Mm-hmm. with godliness and all this stuff coming out and it's really not <laughs> <Mm-mm>. no <laughs> you know underneath it's ever it's anything but on the surface superficially it seems that way again if you know the real deal you know the counterfeit mm-hmm. I'm sorry but as you were saying but I just wanted mm-hmm. to get that out there about that that verse because it's kind of to me what you're describing a little bit that's right even though we
1: are entering a time of post-secularism where all meta everything is spiritual right everyone's seeing everything is metaphysical christianity has never been so far apart from the world the world has never been so far apart from christianity
0: mm-hmm.
1: there and and that is a scary thought i i believe we're the post-secular um, ism of the western world and maybe the entire world is really setting the stage for a one world religion you know because everything is ev- people are now finally embracing that yes you see i mean throughout time we've through the enlightenment you know it used to be that metaphysical was what people believed but it was the metaphysical of the bible right it was the yeah. unseen beliefs of the bible and the unseen god behind the bible and you know even scientists and astrologists and all those people usually took their cues from the Bible and then tried to prove that in the world, right?
0: Mm-hmm. But then
1: with the Enlightenment came uh, skepticism of the Bible and wanting to just really talk about what's empirically provable and what is in nature. And then that out of that came modernism, which was you had to prove everything, the scientific method. And then when they realized you couldn't achieve that, than postmodernism which is what we're coming out of postmodernism said that you know everything's relative and everyone can have mm-hmm. their own
0: truth right yes and truth it is has to keep changing in order to make itself sound true and believable right. some of so much of it is self-defeating as they say yes. um when they yeah they keep they keep changing it and that's what i was told my kids it's like when you know when people have to keep changing the facts <laughs> yeah. right that tells you that there is, there's no truth in there. Yes. God's truths are transcendent, meaning that they apply to all people of all cultures and all time. It's, it's unchanging. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change because it's the truth and it's solid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Truth is exclusive. Yeah. I mean, that's the very definition of truth. There is truth. And then there's Opinions, (laughs) Opinions, <laughs> and so we all want to have our our own truth. Well, that's just our subjective opinion. We still, you haven't really hit the nail on truth yet, right? But if you keep searching, God says, "Those who search me with their whole heart will find me. He will not, uh, you know, no word is returned void." And so He is going to help you find Him if you continue to seek truth. But if we're willing to settle for our truth and subjective truth and whatever feels good and looks good and works for us, <laughs> we're going to fall short.
0: We shouldn't and that's settle. that's why we're in the mess that we're in right now. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, but we should we be should. very
1: afraid that everything, that that the world is now embracing spirituality so much, right? Mm. Because mm. it's not the same as Christianity. And so, you know, we definitely need to study the real deal so we can tell the counterfeits. And I think that well-intentioned Christians right now are falling into the deception that this world <sighs> is offering yeah and there there's an antichrist spirit in the world that has been there. Paul talked about it in the first, you know, in the Bible. And it was there in the first century, it's here now. But as his time shortens, he's heats up his efforts. Mm-hmm. That is the enemy, right? And he is deceiving and we just there's a lot of deception and there's a lot of good Christians even falling for this deception. And th- there's time to re- to revert, you know, there's time to change course, mm-hmm. if they and the Holy Spirit, you know, will help if we're praying for truth and enlightenment and not just, I don't, you know, a lot of people are burying their heads in the ground because they just want an easy life. They just want to make yeah. it go away and just keep <clears throat> living, right? They want. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, this yeah. life is transitory. This is not all there is.
0: Yeah. And burying their heads in the ground. And it reminds me of the proverbial ostrich. Yes. Where he puts his head in the sand and think about an ostrich. If his head is in the sand, what's going on? It's dark. He can't see, he can't hear. So he has no idea with his head in this buried in the sand, what's going on around him. The rest of him is exposed to whatever. Yeah. And he's very vulnerable to attack because he can't see or hear what's coming. Mm-hmm. His senses are dulled Yeah, <laughs> at that point. So, same thing as, as believers, if we stick our heads in the sand and no matter how intimidating it may be, or, you know, fearful in the beginning, um, we're, we're vulnerable to attack. We're not going to see it coming. Amen. Right. We're not going to see it coming. Yeah. We're, we're sitting duck <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or sitting ostrich. That's a good point. But, um, yeah. So, and, and you're, again, I say it again, your book doesn't really leave the reader, as far as I'm concerned, any choice. Um, yeah. and it, one of the things that amazed me as I was reading it wasn't just, wasn't just the content, but I kept saying to myself, How did she do this? Like, you've woven the gospel throughout. Um, again, you you just you you covered the gospel, you you covered prophecy, you covered you covered end, end times, pro- you just like I said I I can't even <laughs> stammering over I'm, my words. I'm so but, glad you liked it. <laughs> um you just you left no stone unturned. Let me let me put it that way. You you left no stone unturned and you caused me to really have to examine how willing I am to trust God and who he is and you reminded, you know, the reader all throughout who God is. Who he is and and yeah. how and why we can we can trust him. That's but right. we we need to face our demons, I guess, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. in order to um, answer that question. So again, yeah. I your, your book was just amazing. Uh, thank you so much for it and for the thank timing you. that it came. And I, I tell people, it's a nightstand book. It's mm-hmm. a book you keep by your nightstand um, <laughs> to refer to, seriously,
1: Yeah.
0: because yeah. um, there's a lot of hope in that book and a lot of information, just a, a wealth of, of biblical information as well, too. So thank you. But anyway, you. Um, any uh, any surprising reactions to your book that you didn't expect to get when you when you put it out? You know, there have been some
1: surprising reactions, uh, mm-hmm. mostly good and mostly kind of like what you said. They hadn't thought of it. They didn't want to think about it. They don't agree with certain things, but now they're thinking about the end times in a different way, right? All of the church age culminating with this. And they it's planted seeds. And that's really what the point of this book is. Let's start, right? Let's start growing something new here. Let's start thinking about what maybe we've suppressed, the church has suppressed, but we no longer have the ability, I guess, or the uh, luxury of suppressing. And so the
0: luxury. Yeah. <laughs> right. We yeah, need to really think it, about it. Right. This is where the rubber's meeting the road here, right? Like yeah. we, we have a decision like what side of the door as you said in your book? We right. have to make a decision. What side of the door are we going to be on? And time is running out to make that choice. That's right. It's the time will run out. That's running yeah. out either. We are going to die. You know, there's Oh my gosh, I
1: can't even name the theologian right now, but he spoke in his, one of his books, he's, it was um, a pastor in the 1800s, but, um, he was doing a, oh, I don't know if you call it a revival or just, he was traveling and stopped at a church and, uh, tried to tell people the time is short. Of course, that was hundred, 200 years ago. Of course, he wasn't talking necessarily about Christ's coming. Of course, it's short in God's economy, but, Mm -hmm. um, he was talking about just your life will come to an end if you're not careful. And there was a young couple dating and they didn't take him seriously. A lot of people came up to the altar call and accepted Jesus, but they decided they were going to go ice skating instead on the pond outside because it was winter time. And would you know, and this is, I believe this is a true story because he wrote about it. Although I need to find out the name of the guy. Um, hmm. He said that they broke through the ice and died that night. Mm -hmm. And they had not accepted you. They had the opportunity to accept him at that uh, revival meeting that he, he was just traveling through. I believe, I don't believe that was his church. And he begged them more or less to not waste any time. Let today be the day of your salvation. And they didn't take it that seriously. They went out ice skating, broke through the ice and died. That's what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. We don't have the luxury of waiting, whether it is going to, the tribulation period is starting or going to start imminently or not. We all mm-hmm. have an, we all have a finite lifespan.
0: And we, we have an only appointment have,
1: with death. <laughs> that's, we, they, that's well said. I like that. We have an appointment we, we, with
0: death. We do. Yes. And we yes. don't know the day or the hour. It's not like a doctor's appointment. That's you know, right. we don't know the day nor the hour. And that story you shared about the ice, you know, the couple falling through the ice, that probably, well, we know it does it plays out much more often than any of us realize. That's um, right. So, wow. Yeah, that's, and we don't want that to happen to any of our listeners here. No, no, <laughs> no. N- not at all. <laughs> but, yes. um. That is, that is wonderful. Um, I just have, I want to do a little something fun. Can I switch gears for a second here? I have some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Um, there's four of them. They're not hard ones, but just off the cuff here, just give me an answer. Okay. (laughs) See what, Mm. see what Sarah Broyhill Anderson, a little bit about what she's about, but love it. Favorite, favorite food. Ooh, ice cream. Oh, okay. An ice cream girl. What are you currently reading?
1: What am I? Oh, I am reading. um, uh, Gosh, what's his name? Millard Erickson's uh, theology. What is it called? Systematic theology.
0: Okay. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Sorry. That's truly what I'm reading right
0: now. (laughs) I thought you were going to be like me and name like three different books. I have a bad habit of sometimes skipping from book to
1: book. Hey, I like (laughs) that too, actually. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. What is your most used emoji? oh
1: my gosh, the laughing emoji, probably too much. Instead of writing LOL, because my teenage daughter told me that that is not cool anymore. Oh, so oops. I'll use the laugh. And now I think the laughing emoji is not either. I don't know. So, but I'm constantly probably putting
0: my foot in my mouth. So I'm like, LOL or laughing emoji. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. What is the one thing that's at the top of your bucket list? You have a bucket list?
1: I do. I want to go to Israel. Do you want to go to Israel? <gasps> have you been to Israel? No, but
0: I got oh Sarah, I just I know, right? I, I long to go the but I gotta tell you with what's going on there, it has not been good lately. There the trouble is really increasing. You don't hear about it on our news, but um I yeah. I subscribe to a, a social media by this guy, um Hanania Naftali is his name. He's an Israeli defense um soldier, he's in the reserves or whatever, but um I think he's with the IDF so you you hear a lot about what's really going on, but yeah, Israel, I would love, right, love, love, love to go. Yeah. And if you ever get the chance, relaxing Walker on YouTube, did I tell you about him? No In have our to. conversations. He just takes his GoPro and he walks around Israel. Oh, nice. And he takes you to places that you would never go as a tourist, um, oh, nice. all over the place. And there's no action. It's just him walking. Oh, that's so and cool. It is because you feel like you're there. And I, this may be the only way I ever get to Israel. I actually reached out to him for an interview, but he declined. So, oh, well, so not yet. I'm sure w- he will eventually. That would have been a blast, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> anyway, that's okay. Do you have a final word of encouragement for our listeners? I would,
1: yeah, I would say uh, make today the day of your salvation that once you. Turn to Jesus, just call on the name of Jesus and test it. You can do that. I mean, we're not supposed to test God, but you can cry. You can cry out to Jesus if you're an unbeliever and you will get something in return. He will not leave you hanging, um, right? Yeah, he won't. He won't. And open your Bible because there is so much. There, there's a study done in the 1950s, Harvard study up with rats. Did I tell you about this study? No. And what they did is they put this kind of morbid, they put rats in water and they would drown after 15 minutes. <laughs> but then the second wave of rats, they put in water. And then after you know so many minutes before the 15, they took them out, dried them off and then put them back in. So the expectation would be that in another 10, 15 minutes, they would drown, Mm. but they actually lasted 60 hours because they had hope that they was, they were going to be rescued. Okay. So, (laughs) so the premise of the book, the best is yet to come is Mm. on God's grace justice and hope, right? Mm-hmm. And so the hope, once you understand his grace and his justice, mm-hmm. you really mm-hmm. cannot miss out on the hope that he has that you have in him. And that is going to give us the perseverance, the endurance to make it through difficult times where we feel like we're treading water. Mm-hmm. And so we need you need the hope of Jesus. And getting mm-hmm. that hope is understanding what he's offered through his son the grace, but also the alternative justice. But we get the benefit of his justice when we believe, but you also get his justice when you decide to go on that number line the wrong way, you know? Mm. And and so that's his justice. And so Mm -hmm. when we understand that and we can trust it, Mm -hmm. then we will have that hope we can tread water through the tribulation or through any trials in our life. Cause a lot of people will say, I don't believe in Jesus because I've had a hard time. I was there. That was the impetus of this book. Really? Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, when you have tough experiences and tragedy and suffering, which this life is so full of, then we lose hope, right? And we drown after 15 minutes. However, God's hope is enduring its certainty. The promise that you get from uh, accepting Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life is eternal, and you get the present uh, acceptance or, I guess, fulfillment of that now Mm -hmm. as we wait the future full fulfillment right in heaven and so that hope is going from point a to point b from now until the hereafter that hope that fills in that blank that ties the two together will enable us to endure and i think for a lot of listeners they're enduring something right now they're struggling through they're trying to they're treading water they're trying to stay afloat and i just ask them that if they just allow god a chance allow jesus a chance and they realize what he offers for eternity, which is a lot longer than this life, mm-hmm. that you will get the strength to endure. You'll realize this world, this life is not all there is. And these trials are temporary compared to the trials potential for eternity, but also the blessings for eternity, which far outweigh even the blessings
0: here on earth. So that's my final word of encouragement. Sarah, thank you. That that's great. Thank you so much. Um, I always, I love talking with you. <laughs> I love talking with <laughs> I really- you, Rebecca. I really do. I just feel so, I don't know, rejuvenated and refreshed after our conversations. Um, Listen, where, obviously, where we need to know, where can we get your book? Where can they find your book? And also um, social media, Fruits of Faith. Can you share a little bit about Fruits of Faith? Yeah. So for, well, now it's four and a half years ago, I started
1: Fruits of Faith Ministries mm-hmm. and it's an online ministry. You can get us on Fruits of Faith Ministries.com or Fruits of Faith Ministries on Facebook and Instagram. And that's, uh, we post a lot about this book on there. Uh, also, there's a Fruits of Faith YouTube channel, but we only have one video so far on there. But it's worth checking out. And then you can reach me at Sarah Without an H, Broyhill, like the furniture, or on the social media for that as well. But uh, the book can be found on Amazon. So mm. I would say start there. But you, you're going to want to put my name in uh, the best is yet to come facing the fears of today with God's hope for tomorrow. And you could uh, put my name in Sarah Burhill Anderson or Sarah Anderson. And it will come up because there's a lot of books on Amazon. So uh, but yeah, so that's where you can find it. Thank you for asking, Rebecca. I appreciate that.
0: No problem. And you have that little you have that Bible study going yes. on over Facebook. Um, that's right. A private is- group. Yeah, which is nice too, right if people want to yeah, um to join that, right? What what do they do? Where can they
1: So to join the private group, which you're welcome to do, it's um through Fruits of Faith Ministries Facebook page and it says join group right there and you hit that button and then you yeah. can come hop in on that uh private group where we just go over the lessons of the book and love yeah, everyone's
0: feedback. Those are nice. You've got them broken down into smaller chunks. It's it's great the way you've done that. Um, but again, yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend time with me today and talking about your book. It's The, the Best is Yet to Come, and you can find that on Amazon and yeah, follow her on social media as well. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, thank I'll, you for having post, me. I'll, I'll have, oh, you're very welcome. I will have the links all posted on my podcast description and on my website, Com, and um, I'll send you some direct links to Sarah's stuff. Thank you. All right, Sarah. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Rebecca. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That, again, was author Sarah Breuel Anderson on her book, The Best is Yet to Come, Facing the Fears of Today with God's Hope for Tomorrow. Again, you can find it on Amazon. And I will have the link for you in the podcast description, as well as on my website, and actually all the links where you can connect with Sarah through social media or on her website. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. I would like to leave you with a few words from Sarah's book, and they are this. Friends, death is not the end of our existence. It is only the beginning. The longest life on earth is just one trillionth of a second of eternity, and even that estimation is a trillion times too long compared to eternity. My friends, this is me speaking, Rebecca, eternity, there's no end to it. Just think about that. We only can relate to things in the sense of time, and we know nothing for us goes on forever. But eternity does, and you and I are going to spend eternity somewhere. It's either going to be heaven or hell. And the choice is up to us. Perhaps you are listening to this and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are not sure about your relationship with God. Perhaps you believe in Him and His existence, but there's no relationship there, there's no surrender. Perhaps you would just like to get closer to God. If this is you, I'd like to encourage you to go online and log on to www.peacewithgod.net. Peace with God is an outreach ministry of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and it is there you will find the answers that you're looking for, the hope that you desire and crave and need and you will find people there waiting to encourage you so you can in fact have peace with God. And know for sure where you will spend eternity, in heaven or in hell. Now back to Sarah. If you knew that a simple decision you make in your lifetime could infinitely change the quality of your everlasting eternity, wouldn't you make it? Don't let hindsight catch up to you, Sarah says. After you die and get the perspective of the eternity you wish you had, it will be too late. It's time to make the decision that will infinitely change the quality of your eternity. Heaven awaits. Again, www.peacewithgod.net. That and along with Sarah's book, you'll find the hope that you're looking for. And I have um, a couple songs of the day for you. And of course, I'm sure you can guess what the title of them are. (laughs) It's The Best is Yet to Come. The first song, The Best is Yet to Come, and they're both found on YouTube. But the first song is by North Point Worship. And the second song is by Scott Crapain. I will again have both of the links for you on the podcast show description. So how can you be that one little candle? How can you be the light God has called you to be this week First of all, I'd say, of course, read Sarah's book, right? Because that book will give you the strength you need to trust God in the darkness of times. Because, hey, if we're trusting God, no matter what the circumstances, we're abiding in him. And if we're abiding in him and trusting in him, we can't help but be a light in the darkness. Thanks again for joining me today. You have a blessed week.